Hello and welcome to Master My Garden podcast, the podcast that helps you master your own garden with useful tips, advice and know-how as you go on the way and journey of mastering your own garden. I'm your host John Jones and it's a pleasure to be with you here today. So let's get stuck in to this week's episode. How's it going everybody and welcome to episode number 15 of Master My Garden podcast. In this week's episode, which is all about roses, we talk to John McNamara. John is a, a wholesale grower of roses in Ireland. He supplies garden centres and other growers with, with their roses and has about 40 years experience in growing roses. So I can't think of anybody better to give us a run through of how we can have success with roses in the garden. Now, they are probably one of the most popular flowers across the the world, but people grow them with varying degrees of success. There seems to be maybe confusion as to the best varieties and possibly how to prune, when to prune and so on. So John clears a lot of those points up and makes rose growing pretty much accessible to anybody in their garden. It's just about choosing the right type of plants and then caring for them in the correct way. So really, really interesting chat. Um, as I say, I, roses, I'm not an actual expert myself. I have a few here, but not a huge amount. So it's great to talk to somebody with, with this vast level of experience. So let's get stuck in to this week's episode. So John, you're very welcome to Master My Garden podcast. Um, it's great to have a rose expert on. I'm not actually a rose expert myself, so it's good to have somebody with, uh, as I said in the introduction, 40 years experience in in roses. So maybe firstly, John, you might start by telling us a little bit about your history in, in gardening and in roses in particular. Okay, John, thank you very much. John, we started, uh, we're very fortunate, my brother and I, to get uh, summer jobs, four pounds a week, tying uh, roses. Now, we didn't understand what the term tying meant until we were handled, uh, handled a bundle of raffia, uh, the, you know the raffia, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, our job was to to bind the raffia over the propagation bud, which the senior brothers were cutting from rose branches. The rose branches are just taken from the existing rose bushes. So it's a form of reproduction. It's one way of growing roses, com- commercially used, trade all over the most of the world, except maybe America and California. They can grow them by cuttings because the temperature is warmer. But the trade in the UK, certainly, and in these islands in uh, Europe, uh, we all propagate roses by budding. Now, budding means um, you take um, a, a branch from one bush and, and then uh, remove the, branch, the leaves and thorns and um, cut out those eyes, cut out the eyes, and insert them into rootstocks. Rootstocks are just dog roses, if you wish, with a little neck on them. But uh, there's enough neck or space there for you to insert, make a T-cut, and to insert the bud down onto the, to the, to, into the, the skin, inside the skin, and then bind it over as we did with raffia. So it was a, a lovely way of getting to like plants or to fall in love with roses. That's what happened, really. Uh, we can remember varieties like um, 1965 Piccadilly. Uh, for instance, it was a new rose just bred by McCready's Nurseries from Portadown, Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And to us, it was an absolute 
joy to see um, a new product uh, in Cork, uh, red and yellow hybrid tea, and it's still selling today. I actually know that variety, yeah. Uh, you I know that variety, seen. John, very good. It's testimony yeah. to its to its durability, I suppose, John, but it is an attractive rose too. And um, we, we, um, we found this uh, reproduction science, if you wish, fascinating. Uh, my brother and I had become a teacher and uh, he didn't follow up, but I did. I stuck with it and uh, got into propagation and growing our own plants roughly in 1979, 80 onwards. So today we grow four acres of them. Uh, we have in the region of 500 varieties across the range of uh, rose uh, types, species roses, bush roses, climbing roses, um, patio roses, um, brown cover plants. So there's quite a, a range. They're very versatile roses and um, will more or less suit any aspect in your garden. You can get roses for shade or for damp positions or for for front borders or standard roses for height in the beds or near the, the, the driveway or the pavement or the front door. So roses are an accommodating plant. But um, we all, we always um, were, were taken, I suppose, the word to use, John, by the, the, the reproduction, that this little bud, when it's cut and inserted, unionizes with the rootstock the head is taken off the rootstock the following spring and uh, in the space of 18 months from planting the rootstock to the autumn of the second year this little this little eye forms a full-grown bush given good good soil conditions isn't that good that's brilliant yeah brilliant it is brilliant yeah yeah like people ask me all the time why don't you go from cuttings why don't you go from cuttings now, cuttings roses are quite good in their own way. They don't have the full strength that this rootstock has because this root, believe it or not, John, grows uh, almost as deep as the head is overground. It's hard to imagine, but in good fertile land, rose roots can grow very deep. So that's what gives the plant its anchorage and also gives the, the, the plant um, it, its life, of course. They can last up to 60 years when they're just treated annually. It's, it's like an MOT, I suppose I call it. Yeah. Uh, just a, a little um, prune feed each year. Not much in spring, really, because they're very clean roses and modern varieties are very good now. But um, with a little bit of care and attention, John, they're uh, great value. So uh, for an initial investment, they are, they are very good value. There's no doubt about it. And they suit most soils. There's no doubt about it. The roses are like a deep, loamy soil, but... Um, positions can be found for them. You can dig out bad soil and plant roses in um, permeable boxes where yeah. the, the plant just sits in its own uh, compost and then mingles or penetrates out into the, the, the existing ground later on and thrives just pretty well. So um, it was a lovely um, experience, John. To, it's, a, it's a fond memory uh, to look back on it and um, the variety range has always um, staggered us. We've, we're, we're, what shall I say, uh, blitzed with new varieties that have been crossbred, introduced. It's like a fashion parade. And uh, <laughs> each year we have to decide what we're going to do. We, we generally pick a certain number of new, plant, uh, new varieties, but there's a lot of the old trusted ones, like I mentioned one already. Uh, there's a lot of those which we uh, will never part with. Okay, and and roughly yeah. you're you're looking at five hundred varieties that you're currently growing. 
That's right, roughly wow. that John, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've That's brilliant. Nearly 100,000 plants, so it's, it's, there's a lot of um, work in it, John, but it's mechanisation, I suppose, is the, the reason it's changed from the raffia time, even though the budding job is still exactly the same as, as it was in the, in the 60s. Okay. It's a back, back-bending summer job, uh, one buller followed by one tyre. That's great. It's it's a great in introduction into it, and it and it's great to yeah, see. That, it yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Some chaps, you know, some uh, horticulturalists uh, propagate in greenhouses or in in, in, uh, in sheds, etc., potting sheds. And, and uh, but but we've always been more or less a feed nursery, growing plants in the feeds, bringing them into the shed later on in the winter time, maybe for potting or for pruning and potting. But but. Um, Traditionally, we like to sell the plants bare-rooted out of the ground and away to the customer, if possible. But today, containerization has more or less taken over in the garden centres, so um, most plants go grow that way now. Okay. So maybe by way of, of just uh, leading through the, the, the chain from, from start to finish um, uh-huh. and how somebody can grow these successfully at home, because I suppose it they are seen as... A luxurious plant in a way but at the same time you've just you've just said and and it is true that you can grow a rose in almost any garden so so firstly as we start off you might just give us a quick overview of the the categories of rose and okay. and then we'll mm. talk about where where each of these might be suitable and and we'll lead on yeah. from there yeah good well for irish conditions with our climatic uh, with our variable climate and a lot of rainfall etc and um, high rainfall. Um, Floribunda roses are probably the most suited. Um, the, 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 we find that the smaller bloomed ones, Floribundas, those that um, are in clusters with, um, say, blooms that are roughly a half inch in diameter, that those blooms can, can uh, resist the rain to a large extent and not ball up. This happens with hybrid teas. They ball up and it's a different problem then, but there is a way around that too. But but the floribundas do very well. Uh, I sell a lot of plants in the west of Ireland, and the floribundas do very well right up and down the coast. So um, I would say, John, that floribundas would be the number one um, seller. Uh, okay. Hybrid teas, of course, are the typical big bloom, the ones we like to see in the vases, the ones that, that we cut to bring into the house, the large blooms, the powerful fragrances, uh, hybrid teas. And the third group then would be the patio plants. The patio roses are very suited. Smaller, going to about 18 to 24 inches. Lots of mop heads, lots of blooms, not much fragrance, but um, very um, practical and very effective. So um, then I'd suggest next maybe uh, the climbers, of course. Climbers are, there's, everybody has some aspect or, um, Background onto which a climbing rose will grow. It, they're very uh, um, suited, say, to having a, a clematis or something planted in the same hole with them, just to vary the colour and okay. to give you continuity of flower as well. So uh, there, there are different types of climbers. Many ones that grow up to six feet, uh, modern ones which grow eight to ten feet, and the old-fashioned, which would have been around, say, in the time of the large estates etc in Ireland they're uh, for the old estate walls etc growing 15 to 20 feet so they're, they're very very nice and also the rambling roses the rambling roses have been improved a lot 
different to climbers because they're more pliable. They tend to they tend to come in mop heads, and um, the wood is very flexible and can be twisted, bent, arched in any way to give uh, a very effective colour some, and repeat blooms now as well okay. on the rambers, which didn't always, wasn't always. And sorry, John, that's the main distinction between climbers and ramblers is that the, the rambler's stem is more pliable and flexible, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, the climbers tend to be very stiff and erect, um, suitable for trellis, for planting up against a trellis or a wall or fence. Okay. But the, ram, the rambling roses just need some lift or some support, John, and then there's this massive bloom that comes right across and you can train them, stretch them, and you'll have a gorgeous display of flowers. We have some lovely varieties now, like rambling roses, a lovely red one, um, spotlessly clean, and it flowers right up to November, which is lovely. You know, Not, not any fragrance, but a lovely, lovely rose, there's no doubt. And flower so, right through to November, wow. Rose right up to the first of November, John. Yeah, if we get a mild autumn, they can go on and on, some of them. Uh, but uh, I, I do have other roses here, which will flower right up to Christmas. But um, the, it's just a, a little tip with them is to prune them uh, in uh, springtime, but also to give them a second pruning around August, second half of August, and feeding. We'll talk about feeding in a minute. But if, if you were to give them that second pruning, it sort of, it sort of rejuvenates the younger shoots to come again, and uh, these late flowering varieties are very welcome sites getting uh, into the darker days in winter. Absolutely, yeah. If they go into November, yeah, that's yeah. that's superb, yeah. That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so we, we you've kind of mentioned the the, the main varieties there. Um, yeah. And be, we, we'll talk about maybe individual varieties later on. But yes. For somebody starting out now, what would you say that the top tips are to have success with roses? You know, in terms of where they start, in terms of uh, how they look after them and so on. Yeah, good question, John. The roses like a sunny aspect, John, if possible. So um, I would pick um, a, a good southerly or southwesterly, uh, southwesterly facing site or plot and make sure that the ground is not uh, waterlogging, uh, that there's not, um, that there's good drainage and good loam, good loamy soil. Okay. Um, and not not peaty soil, but um, alkaline soil, I suppose, is best for roses. But yep. but the, um, the the rose the rose root likes to travel, and if the root is happy, the plant the head will be very very happy as well. So they um, I would say that, that if it's windy, I would be in fact stick with those lower flower bundles. Uh, I'll, I'll go over some of those varieties in a minute, but um, I I think that that. That really is is all that's to it, John. There's nothing, there's no uh, special uh, conditions required. I think after that, okay. they don't like frost pockets, I suppose. But not what plant does. I mean, most most plants, and certainly not in shade. There are very few varieties that do well in shade. We have some of those alba roses and roses that would grow in the shade, but then the flowers, are, the, the, the stems are kind of blinded in shade, and the blooms don't develop properly. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think in a nice uh, south-facing aspect, John, is, is, is the best, really. Okay. And you mentioned yeah. at the very start that it's possible to grow them in shade, and you've just said there that you may not get, you know, brilliant blooms that you would expect. But is, is there a particular variety or two varieties that you might recommend for shade? There are, yeah. The, the, the Alba roses, for instance, uh, they've, uh, they've, they flower once in the summer, early, June, July. 
Um, then they, the foliage is grey green. Um, they they're extremely fragrant. Um, semi double to double, most all, all are semi double to double. Um, Queen of Denmark, uh, Alba semi plena, um, Alba maxima. They're very very good roses. Are very tough and will flower. It lasts about eight weeks and then it's all over. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they they they're best in shade. I think they um they're, they're, there's not the rugosa roses. Then we consider those more um, tough textured, um, veined leaves. No black spot in any case. Uh, they're uh, very fragrant. Some will produce nice hips in the autumn. Even some are bearing hips. Uh, uh, size of average size tomatoes variety called Frau Dagmar Hastrup. Um, Low rows growing three feet high, three feet wide. That will grow on any size. It's a tremendous little rose. What, and, sorry, what was um, that variety again, John? That uh, Frau Dagmar Hastrup. Uh, okay. Hastrup, yeah. It's a lovely, lovely rose, John. And a number, you get two bloomings. And when the second flush comes, um, the, the hips uh, have already set. So you've got little hips and blooms all at the one time going into September, which is lovely. Excellent. Yeah. So um, there are are enough plants, John, to cover the uh, difficult areas like that. Um, Modern hybrid teas and floribundas prefer sunshine. Okay. Yeah. So assuming assuming then someone has, they've chosen, just for the sake of this conversation, we'll assume that they have a reasonably good soil and in, in in good sun. What then they they plant? Roses then generally are a hungry plant. So feeding wise, yeah. how often feeding would you wise, be recommending feeding? I'd recommend two good feedings, John. Uh, first feeding is uh, the beginning of March. Um, having pruned the bush, um, we can talk about pruning in a jiff, but having pruned the bush, I would give two to two or three good fistfuls of rose food. There's plenty of rose food selection available in the garden centres and the gardening shops. So um, they need to be keep keep them weed-free, keep clean around, keep the little bed clean or the plot clean, no matter how many bushes you have. And the second feeding, the common sense, say, at the uh, end of May or beginning of June, that's just to... Um, uh, rejuvenate the bush after the first flowers are beginning to wither off again. You know, okay. The first flowers are going in late June, and you need to get the to to boost it up again to carry the second flushes. Okay, very good. So um, feeding is very important, John. Um, chicken pellets in summertime uh, are they're very high in potassium, so chicken pellets are very very good to strengthen the bloom, the neck that the carries the blooms and enhance the size of the flowers. So I know that flower, uh, some flower um, those, uh, exhibitors, chicken pellets, just to swell up the size of those blooms. And that's important too. That's yeah. important, yeah. Yeah, yeah it gives a quick Very boost. Good. Quick boost. And if you can give the plants, say, rotted manure, John, at uh, November, December time, just keep it back from the stem, and cover it with soil. Uh, one year rotted manure it has uh, good potash and uh, maybe suppressed weed, it suppresses weeds too. But uh, generally, it is good for the plants. I would prefer to use seaweed. If I, I, I can get seaweed at times, uh, but if they travel a long way to get it. But um, excuse me, uh, seaweed it contains iron, and uh, the iron, uh, the seaweed improves 
in a faster manner the overall performance of the plant. Uh, better structure, better foliage, better blooms, longer lasting flowers. So the seaweed is probably the most desired um, and for some people the most natural uh, feed you can give your roses yeah and actually funny enough john i have uh, a podcast episode coming up in a couple of weeks on seaweed fertilizer and that is one of the main things with it is that it's it seems to improve the plant health which in turn then particularly when you're talking about something like roses a healthy plant plant ten, tends to get less pest and disease problems which is a, which is a huge point which is a huge point, yeah, yeah. It contains something special, John, that, that um, it works magic on the little rose in the beds here anyway. So uh, well worth getting, and for fruit trees too. Seaweed, seaweed is excellent, excellent. Yeah. There's, not, there's not much more. Some, I, I, you put banana skins around them, of course, John, as well, but that, that's covered by the, the chicken pellets uh, feeding anyway. But uh, not to throw away your banana skins, but just to hold them in a little tin out of here for a week and then dig them in near the bush then on a weekend day. Just dig them in near the bush, uh, cover them over with soil, and that potassium is again going to do what I said about the chicken pellets. It's uh, it's going to bring on a better bloom. Better okay, blooming. that's a good t- good tip. People will like that one, I think, John. Um, Banana skins are good, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> we, we you mentioned briefly then about pruning. So pruning, I. I see it in a lot of the gardening groups. It seems to be one that causes a bit of uh, confusion with gardeners. So they're a little bit confused about, I suppose, a couple of things. How how far back they should cut the roses and when. And I suppose it's different for each yeah. type. So maybe just give us yeah. an overview there. It is, yeah. Well, uh, the 3Ds anyway, John, the first thing, dead, disease and damaged wood. Uh, must be all taken care of with the secateurs. Dead, dead branches taken out, diseased leaves taken away and broken and burned, and uh, damaged and broken branches removed as well. So um, the, the idea, John, is to create a, a vase or a goblet shape uh, uh, upside down, if you know what I mean. Just, just uh, try and get your branches coming up and out to open the centre of the bush. Okay. No crossing branches, remove those. Um, Pruning is best done by pruning from by starting on year one. When you receive your plant your bushes, prune the um, prune them at the first of March, generally first or early March. Varies at different parts of the country, I suppose, but first of March is a, a fairly accepted time. Um, prune them to about six inches, leaving three or four nice eyes. The top one facing outwards, and um, that, that generally sets the bush off on a nice pattern. Three or four nice branches going in uh, all facing outwards sets sets the, the 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 branches in such a way that the leaves and when the flowers when they come receive more sunlight. There's an equal distribution of sunlight over all the bush rather than when it's clustered or when the branches are not uh, facing outwards. So. Um, Pruning is is um, a means of controlling the flowering. If you prune too hard, you'll get less shoots. Uh, if you cut your branches to say one inch to the, from the ground, you'll get uh, something akin to a, a mini fishing rod coming up throughout the season. Okay. So you're going to have only one or two flowers at the top of that stick uh, branch, and that means you're going to have a quality bloom, all right, but very little flowers on your bush. If you don't prune okay. at all, what happens is you just get the flowers up at the top of last year's wood. It continues on, 
for a number, number of inches, and the blooms are much smaller. So to, to get e, to get average-sized blooms of decent-sized flowers, it is necessary to cut each year, just going up a little bit from the 3 inches, 4 inches, 5 inches. So you'll generally see um, the point to cut. But what we would say now, John, with the likes of patio roses and ground cover roses, is you don't have to worry at all about the structure of the plants. Um, they're being cut at an average height of about 9 or 15 inches in the case of some of the ground covers across the top just with a, a strimmers or something or a, even a hedge slippers at times just to even off the top of the plants because in in public parks and civic grounds etc it isn't possible to give time to go in, into each individual bush so for that but the home gardener can generally start by cutting to about 3 to 4 inches and then increasing it uh, about an inch or so, following the young wood from there on. Yeah. Okay, that's that's brilliant, and I, I liked your tip at the start. The three Ds. Oh, the three Ds. Yeah. So that was... <laughs> that's right. And the cli- the climbers are different as well, John. But that that's something we'd have to talk about. The climbers are best. Um, um, generally, the plant will come with three good shoots. So the idea is to stretch them keep the original uh, three branches we call those the canes keep the three canes one bending to the right an angle of 45 degrees onto a wall or trellis one bang one bending to the right an angle of 45 degrees second one to the left same idea 45 degrees and the third one perpendicular straight up okay now attach those to your trellis or whichever you or whatever you're using uh, might have hooks on a wall or uh, a wooden fence, you might have to tie it in with wires or whatever, but uh, and don't tighten the branches in too tightly. Leave leave enough room for the branches to expand so they're not trapped, mm-hmm. uh, in which case they would break, of course, if they're being forced too, too much. And the, the pruning is actually, the canes are not, they're left grows on the, the length uh, of the particular plant. Generally, on a modern climate, that's about 10 feet. So they're left grow for 8 to 10 feet, out to the tips of the uh, the, the particular um, um, climbing structure behind them, and the emerging shoots are then the plant, the little shoots to pull from the tree canes. The, the emerging shoots will come straight to you from the wall or from the trellis, so those are cut away. They're okay. the ones that are coming straight at you, and all along the canes will be uh, all the buds will will flourish, will shoot. So. The, all the, re- the remainder are tied in as well, but they create a little fan along the cane and they're clipped to two buds. That's about three to four inches. And it's from there you get your flowers all okay. along the cane. You see? Excellent. So you, you, you form a little uh, herringbone, if you wish, along the three canes. And that's the proper way to, to, to train and prune a climber. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... We've we've spoke about the, the main varieties and, and kind of tips for success. If you were if you were given kind of recommendations for varieties within the different categories, obviously we, you said you have five hundred odd varieties. So maybe if there was just a couple of the of the main ones or the most popular ones. A couple of the main ones, yeah. Well, believe it or not, John, a rose from from the sixties called Arthur Bell. Um, it's uh, it's a yellow flower bundle from yellow to cream. It's still one of the best sellers today. If if uh, you ask me for a fragrant, disease-free rose, Autobel would definitely be one of the top, one of the tips of the top. It's um, very fragrant. It does go to fades of cream. 
Uh, we also have varieties, um, what would I say, varieties that are uh, newer varieties now, I suppose. Uh, Irish eyes I like very much. I did mention a while ago about the smaller blooms. Irish eyes was top rose in the year 2000. It's red and yellow. Um, lots and lots of blooms, 60 to 80 blooms per plant. Um, grows two and a half feet and um, no fragrance though, but it, it's a lovely, lovely little rose. Very fond of Irish eyes. Um, I often suggest, John, that when you are planting varieties, that you group them in any number you like, but grouped is better than singles. So okay. if you can plant three roses at two feet, two and a half feet apart, that will give you a far better show than just one plant, mm-hmm. if there's room. So so that's a lovely idea for, for, uh, for colour. Um, Orthobel is nice. Rhapsody in blue is a lovely uh, mauve, blue flower, uh, blue flower bunda. Tall rose though grows four feet, but um, very fragrant, very nice. There's there's a big swing at the minute towards mauve and blue colours. Okay. For some reason, yeah. Old Port is a lovely shade, um, purple shade. Uh, so is Ebb Tide. Uh, so is Twilight Zone. They're all very deep. Uh, purple to blue colours. Blue for you is sky blue, which is another very, very attractive rose today. Low growing and sells very, very well. Um, For fragrant varieties, we have really strong um, hybrid teas like Shandos Beauty, which is peachy pink with a bit of peach in it. Um, Rachel, um, which is um, peony-like flower, pinky peachy too. Uh, Red varieties are very nice. Some lovely dark reds, deep secrets, uh, caras, uh, lovely deep ones. Um, Whiskey Mac is still a nice rose. Um, so overall, John, there's a very, very large selection of, of fragrant, good varieties. That's good. Um, and, and funny, it's it's the guts of 30 years since I worked in the garden centre, but there's a good few of those varieties that I remember from the garden centres, which... And if they're still around, right. then that means they're obviously successful and they're obviously quite good. So, good. Yeah, pick, had pick. you a favourite rose then? Uh, not had necessarily, no. I, I, I can't say no. at the time I would have been looking at them in, in pots generally. As you say, they would have come in quite young. So, And I, I in, in the garden I have myself here now, I only have some ground cover roses currently. Uh, plan, oh, nice. Plans nice. afoot, all right, to get, to get a rose bed in. But at the minute, it's just ground cover ones. So I don't necessarily have a favourite, no. But I remember a lot of those varieties, and as I said, the fact that they're hanging around still means that they're 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 good. We call them bankers, yeah. When we're some centres leave you to pick the order for them, and that that's a lovely choice. Then it's a nice it's nice to uh, suggest varieties that you can stand over and you feel confident about. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, but there are lots of varieties, John. Yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of people obviously um, asking about disease-resistant varieties. So if, if there was yes. maybe one or two that people could bank on being d- disease-resistant, you mentioned Arthur Bell was quite disease-resistant. Arthur Bell is very good, yeah. Arthur Bell is very good. Uh, I, I often suggest uh, another uh, shrub rose, really, uh, Bonica. Bonica is a pink uh, shrub rose, grows about three feet by three. Uh, but it's absolutely tremendous. Uh, no, I've seen it planted now in roundabouts, and okay. it's very, very good. Another lovely rose that's disease-free is Wiltshire. 
It's a rosy red uh, ground cover and uh, grows about three feet by two, no, two, two feet by three feet wide. But it's a very free-flowing, healthy, disease-free rose. Um, extremely, very, extremely good. Extremely good, yeah. Um, I would say that, that the general range of Floribundus now, the modern plants are cleaner than those, say, of 20 years ago. The, breeder, the rose breeders realized that if they didn't get their act together and get um, plants immune from um, disease, the plant, the roses would lose their spaces on the garden shelves because yeah. um, the uh, proprietors couldn't stand uh, and proprietors couldn't stand over them. They just uh, have to be good. So this year's rose, the year for instance, uh, Sweet Honey from Germany is a lovely floribunda, two feet by three feet. It's a smashing. Um, uh, honey, amber honey, um, glossy, shiny foliage, and uh, the company that bred that rose, Cody's, always um, produce. They don't spray the plants; they just sell roses that are immune uh, to, to disease. So okay. um, immune from disease. So um, we we certainly have great faith in that one. Anyway, like that. Uh, Sweet honey will be a lovely, lovely plant. Lovely, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. What color rose is, is that, John? It's it's uh, honey, amber honey. Okay. Yeah, amber honey. Yeah, very light shade, but uh, lovely fragrance, and will do very well in Ireland, John, because the flowers aren't too big, and uh, that's what I like. You can you can you can appreciate that coming back into bloom. Um, so it's good to it's good to have something that that repeats well, isn't it? And that's you know, absolutely yeah. And that's rose of yeah. the year, you said. That's the rose of the year, yeah. Oh, yeah. very good. Yeah. So that's one for experienced gardeners to look out for. Oh, certainly is, yeah, yeah, certainly is. Um, and sweet honey, yeah. And in terms of of uh, new varieties, so good few experienced gardeners listen to the podcast, so and they 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 may already have roses. Is there anything new that's coming through that? Oh, that, there is, yeah, there that is, might stand yeah, out for them. There is. There's uh, there are varieties there uh, like nostalgic. They're a type of hybrid tea rose. Um, again, they come from another company in Germany, Tanto. But these ones uh, we sold an awful lot last year of pure poetry, which is uh, pinky red, and uh, proper job um, dark okay. red. Both grow to four feet though. So. Uh, if you can put a little bamboo stick or something, John, behind uh, two or three sticks, just to keep those branches up, especially when the weight's on the blooms, uh, maybe a light tie just to keep them in, they are a lovely sight. They're not climbers now, they're bush roses, but they tend to, the blooms just tend to bring the branches down a little. But um, I did a little talk there at Tronmel uh, Horticulture Society in September, and I think the group bought 15 of proper job that evening. They were fascinated by this, the fragrance, number one, and the shape of the blooms, about 60 petals in each. Wow. And they were really gorgeous. So, so very excited about those, John. We also have um, the likes of lovely French roses. Um, and one particular one that sells very well in Northern Ireland is Fragonard. It's, uh, Fragonard is a pink, um, well, I would say hybrid tea, but the scent is different. I've never had this scent in our own roses. It's um, there's some different um, ingredients in it, and um, it's fascinating. And another lovely one coming on is Pink Paradise. So 
we're, we're picking up uh, varieties or collecting varieties from different breeders through uh, a license um, a license we have and that gives us the access to uh, continental plants as well as UK and Irish plants. Lovely. But we have a very good we have a very good rose breeder in County Carlow, David Kenny, and David produces some excellent roses. Uh, one of which uh, my favourite would be Newsflash. Um, it's a lovely um, orange amber orange floribunda, which withstands the Irish rain. I can tell you very well. And uh, we sell 250 plants of that each year. So it's a, it's a lovely plant, you know, lovely. And that's bred so in nice, Carlow, you said? That's bred by David Kenny, yeah. He's a top rose man in uh, Tolo, County Carlow. Yeah, David. So um, he's a good friend here. And David David is um, good good to have on your side because he's very, very knowledgeable and always willing to, um, to give us tips and... Uh, steer us out of trouble as I say that's great and it's great that there's a, an Irish variety there as well which is it, nice to it see it is oh, David's very very good yeah very very good yeah yeah. nice to see so that, 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 that's the range of some of the varieties John but as I said at the beginning there are offers there's an offers book comes in um, in uh, June I think it comes here and that will have a whole new list lot again on offer <laughs> and the best the best policy is to buy about 20 new ones and stick with that that's it from the hundreds and offer yeah, yeah that's very good and uh-huh. this is this is probably a difficult question john with, given the length of time you're you're involved with roses and the amount of varieties that you're currently growing but would you have some f- personal favorites um yeah well john yeah yeah i still um can't get over the scent john of the 1964 uh fragrant cloud it's um I know of one gentleman who bought, I heard about one gentleman buying 300 of this plant. I think it was in County Wicklow, not from us now, but I think I think he must have fallen in love with the fragrance. The colour is talky, um, what is it, it's coral red, hybrid tea. It is a little prone to black spot though, but the, the scent has never been surpassed, John. Maybe these French roses that I mentioned now have it too, or will we'll have have uh, some something similar, some similar qualities, but... The fragrance of Fragrant Cloud is absolutely gorgeous. If, if, if one could keep the plant totally clean, uh, I could see why that person bought the plant, the 300, because it's, it's a powerful fragrance. So that that's still one of my first roses, John. We went to a lovely place called Glen Gareth in West Cork, I'm sure you know too. I know it, yeah. Yeah, and we travelled there to a lady who grew a bed of fragrant cloud and she kindly allowed us to cut some shoots, as I explained at the beginning, to, to bud us, to propagate us. Wasn't that nice? Excellent, and, and you, you bred it. them from there. And we bred them from there. That was our first time coming across fragrant cloud. Yeah, but I had read about it, but didn't have it then. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. But, that was, that was uh, nice. It, yeah, that, that would be a favourite rose, yeah. Um, I think that that's very nice. Good. Um, Old Port is another very, very nice rose, John. It has the flower shape of the old um, old um, type Gallica roses, I suppose, the, the, the um, very old-fashioned ones. But then it has repeat blooms and a lovely fragrance as well. And it grows two to two and a half feet. So it's a very, very nice rose, uh, Old Port. And I did mention Bonica very fond of Bonica as well. Bonica is a very practical rose, which I've seen around the boats a lot, and um, very suitable. Bonica is a rose you can stand over in any part of Ireland. Bonica. Yeah. 
so that's that's three John yeah yeah so we, we we've kind of we've kind of covered off most of the points there now I think and it's good it's good to know that I suppose people can have success with roses in in more or less any, any situation just following a couple of simple steps and of course choosing the right varieties for the situation yeah there's a little bit of work and another tip that I got recently John might not mean much now but um, uh, spring is something that that well, different people look upon it in different ways, but we do very little spraying on the roses, but uh, I would say any gardener can use um, a teaspoonful of uh, bre- um, bread soda, that's the baking powder, in um, a gallon of water and put in some washing up liquid as well, and that will more or less take care of the impending black spot and should if anything should show its head like in the fragrance out uh, and the green the purpose of the um, washing liquid is just to stick those greens life there about yes. you can also plant the likes of lavender and marigolds or nasturtiums near rose beds and they sort of deflect or act as hosts for the green fly instead but um you don't have to go spraying roses regularly um, there is a very good product called uncle tom's rose tonic which i do use and that's high in potassium. It it encourages new shoots to become up green and healthy, and um, gives you don't have to use it a lot, maybe three times over the season. But it gives a lovely, lovely vibrancy to the bush. And I think that the healthier the shoot coming up, the less chances they are then of um, of, of disease forming. Yeah, I think that's a hugely critical yeah. point, and it even falls back to what we said about seaweed. A healthy plant. Oh yeah, the seaweed is, is is essential. I think. Yeah, yeah I think when you're when you're talking yeah. about plants yeah. in general, healthy plants, I suppose, m- much much like humans, the healthier you are generally, the less chance you have of, of picking up any sort of bugs and diseases. Yeah, you you can use the seaweed extract and say two little capfuls of tomato food in the spray mix, in in with that uh, bread soda and and the washing up liquid, and just apply the lot together. Start with a little bamboo cane and the washing you can put over the washing can and spray the lot on the bush and that should keep the plants nice and clean and healthy yeah and if if you need a spray then you're using it as as a curative rather than as a cure correct yeah, correct yeah. preventative yeah exactly yeah yeah i suppose the healthier the, the healthier the baby you know the the, the better chances of uh, of of, uh, of this disease isn't it for yeah, sure yes. that's that's great yeah. um uh, uh, okay, until john. until an hour ago john we had never spoke before and that has been a, a fascinating <laughs> chat uh, great to talk to somebody great to talk to somebody with so much experience to be honest um, as i said at the start 40 years experience yeah. so it's great it's great to have somebody with that much experience on the show yeah well, it's nice to talk to somebody like you who's, who's grown roses as well you know that's that's very very relaxed that's very comforting too so that's basically it john thank you very much for for uh doing this it's it, as i said the listeners i think are going to get a lot out of it so thank you very much john that's a pleasure john lovely to talk to you so that's been this week's episode a huge thank you to john for coming on to have somebody who's currently grown 500 varieties of roses and has 40 odd years experience was hugely beneficial and hugely interesting and i think whether you're aspiring to grow roses for the first time or whether you're an experienced gardener who already is successfully grown roses you will have got something from that so again a huge thank you to john if you're enjoying the podcast please share it with all your gardening friends if there's anything you'd like covered in future episodes just let me know there's been a few episodes which have been 
requested by listeners, including today's one on roses. So it's, as I say, it's great to cover topics that people are looking for. You can contact me on Facebook, it's John Jones at Master My Garden, or Instagram at Master My Garden. That's been this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and until the next time, happy gardening. Mm-hmm.